Hello everyone and welcome to Teach Each Other, an Australian podcast made by teachers for teachers about teaching. Today's episode is brought to you by Edquire, AI for teachers. I'm Laura. And I'm Rita. Laura and I are both teachers currently living in Sydney. Today we're very excited to be chatting with Liam Elysiums about PRAC-E and all things new and beginning teachers. Welcome, Liam. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, Liam. Hi. And thanks for joining us today. PRAC-E sounds like something that all beginning teachers could make great use of. Can you tell our listeners a bit about yourself, what Praki does and what inspired you to create it? Definitely. So Praki is made for teachers by teachers. We create digital media and in-person symposium events to support beginning teachers. It all started when I was back at university myself, actually, as a beginning teacher. When I was out on Prac, one of my colleagues had a nightmare lesson and instead of coming to us for support or having his own support networks, he dropped out. And that actually turned into quite a familiar story for a lot of my different colleagues when I was at university. Every time I came back from Prac, my cohort seemingly had halved. For, to put it into perspective, we had a lecture in one of the biggest lecture halls at our university. It was compulsory to turn up and only eight students were there, including myself. Wow. And when I was talking to other beginning teachers in the community, there just seemed to be a lack of support, a lack of real-world practical advice. So basically, I was feeling the strain as well. I had one prac that didn't go as well as the others, and I looked for something like Pracky out there, and it just seemingly didn't exist, and to my surprise. So I teamed up with a bunch of my other colleagues and connected with our mentors and, and created what we felt needed to be there, which was something personal development for people that might be feeling a little bit alone, might be feeling a little bit anxious about their teaching community and maybe even feeling like it's not they're not cut out for it. And we created real world practical advice that we think that we actually needed. Because a lot of the time studies and things go for big macro level problems within education. Whereas we wanted to know those little nitty gritty things that might not get covered in a lecture or might not get covered in a unit. For example, I have a million resources, yet my lessons keep going 15 minutes short for some reason. Or what do I do if a student chucks a chair at me? These little questions that probably were causing the most anxiety. Those nights where you can't get to sleep. In fact, I had one night where I woke up at three in the morning convinced that I was late for prac and I was getting ready. But then I kind of cottoned on and thinking, well, if I'm already late, why is it pitch black outside? <laughs> and it was a familiar story with a lot of my other colleagues. So basically, we got together and made what we needed, which turned out to be Pracky in its current form. I love it. I used to dread going to prac. That was probably the worst part of doing my whole teaching degree. Mm. Was um, mm. I remember clearly I was in second year and the teacher who whose class that I was on actually said to me, why are you doing this? There's no money in teaching. What are you doing it for? Mm. And I thought, you know, as a beginning teacher or someone who's trying to, um, you know, learn a bit more and be inspired, what a terrible thing to say to a, to a student. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's something that we've heard – are the same. One question we got at our last event was, what do I do if I'm excited to have my class finally, excited to have my students, yet my mentor teacher has some negativity or there's a mm. negative staff room? And it, I think it's a problem within the teaching community. It's a very rewarding profession. I dabbled with journalism and other things before I finally decided on education. And when, as soon as I stepped into the classroom, I knew that it was for me. I had that teaching bug 
that I think a lot of people finally have when they try something, but they finally get that that bug when they have we're in front of students teaching content that they really enjoy. It's a very rewarding profession. I know when I was at school, my one teacher I was quite disenfranchised with mainstream schooling, and one teacher that I had completely changed my life. Really, it changed my entire perspective on what schooling could be, on where my life could go. So my dream is to do that for another student. And when you finally see that that change that you can embark on someone else, or even when you give them that aha moment with a fantastic lesson or a great resource, it's infectious. It really is. So it's a very rewarding profession, yet for some reason there seems to be this negative stereotype around teaching that there's no good pay or mm. that we're in it just for the holidays or any other stereotype you want to chuck out there. But for people that are in it every day, I think they've finally found their calling. I think teaching is a calling and it needs a bit more positive reputation in Australia especially. Yeah, everywhere, not just Australia, may I say. I mean, like, I've been teaching, as I told you earlier on, in Italy and England, and I think it's everywhere the same, the mm. same feeling, you know. People think that teachers teach because of the holidays yeah. or, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's easy, but actually it's not like that. But, yeah, being in class and mm. can be very rewarding. So, yeah, well done on you. I visited your website a few times, and I've got to say the content and the things you're providing uh, to the teachers, you know, starting teaching is great. And I really love the teacher hack challenges. Mm. Uh, to be fair, these hacks are not only great for beginning teachers, but also for the more experienced ones. Uh, your latest one, Classroom Nightmare, is gold. I love the idea of randomly choosing a scenario, getting three seconds to think about it, then coming up with a way to survive it. For anyone who hasn't seen that yet, uh, go to practice and uh, to the website and uh, take a look. Mm. Do you have any other challenges up your sleeve that you would like to show us or to talk about? Oh, thank you for those kind words. Yeah, it was, it was a fantastic video to finally create when it's... Pracky's gone through a massive change from where we started to where we are now. When we first started, we were just basically doing what you would receive from a PD. But when we started talking and collaborating with the actual community, it was very apparent to us that they're sick of people just lecturing to them in a, in a real static style. I think they get enough of that in the other mediums that they're engaged with. So that teacher hack challenge that you mentioned just there was kind of birthed from that. We wanted something quite unique, something quite lighthearted and fun to kind of bring a, a bit of uh, enjoyment to the profession again. So we had, so there's a bunch of different challenges that we like to do with, with senior teachers and we're getting a lot of great content from there. So that one you just mentioned was the classroom nightmare challenge where basically it came from the need for beginning teachers to understand that sometimes schools have things that happen that are completely out of your control and they're going to disrupt your lesson. What happens if an assembly cuts 20 minutes and you've got this really strict lesson plan that you have, you know, you're going to have to change that up on the fly. What if a whole bunch of your kids are away sick or on camp or on an excursion or what happens if some kid comes in and something has happened at lunch and it and he has an aggressive outburst. You know, those things are going to happen on prac. They're going to happen when you're a beginning teacher. And a key skill that people need to understand is that as a teacher, you need to be able to roll with the punches, as we say in the video. And I think that way was a really great way of getting that across. Another challenge that we had up was the ability to find resources as a beginning teacher is also very important. So what we had was we had two teachers go into their local Kmart or, you know, just a cheap dollar store, and they've got 15 minutes and a budget of $20 to find as many classroom resources that they could possibly find 
Uh, and that was really fun to create as well. And we've got a really great response from these kind of more lighthearted um, reactions. So all of that's up on our website. And I think um, a lot of people will get a lot of value from those types of videos. Yeah, I think those real life challenges um, are interesting. And there's no way I could only spend 15 minutes in Kmart <laughs> no, with $20. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's but, quite um, a challenge. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned earlier about these symposiums that you're doing. Mm. Um, can you talk to us a bit more about that? Like what exactly are they? What are the reasons behind them? And what could someone expect if they were to mm. go to one? I think millennials get chucked under the bus a lot. I know there's always those videos that say that millennials can't find relationships or mentors or network or that we can't communicate in the modern day workplace. But something that I personally believe is that it's not that we can't, it's just that the way that that happens is different from what it might have been in the 70s, 80s or 90s um, when our mentor teachers were first becoming teachers themselves. So what we wanted to do was really take advantage of that and be the one true voice for beginning teachers in terms of their professional development and actually give them something practical to sink their teeth into before they go out on prac or before they go out into their early career schools when they finally landed a job. So what that turned out to be was pracky symposiums where a varied panel of expert teachers actually go into a university, they go into a classroom or sometimes we just pop up, do a pop-up venue ourselves and the audience can ask any question they want. They come in with a live wow. link and that goes to a forum that's linked to the host and they can ask anonymous questions through this online forum for the entirety of, of the event. Because a lot of the times what we found with other type of panel events or workshops was that they were either selling a product or they were selling an agenda. Whereas we are censorship and agenda free and it, we actually don't give any type of content ourselves. It's all based off the audience and their needs. We don't come in pitching them anything. We actually listen to them. So people can come in and we've got a whole bunch of questions that even I was surprised with the reaction that we got. With our first event, we got over 200 questions into this forum, you know, in an event that went for an hour and a half. The response has been absolutely amazing from questions as small as, you know, I've got a grade seven class, I'm teaching them Hamlet for the first time in period two on a Thursday, what should I do? To big, hard hitting questions like, should I disclose that I have a mental illness in the job interview seeking process? You know, big questions as that and little mm -hmm. questions um, like the one I stated before. And something that I personally learned is that they need something like that. Beginning teachers need an open forum like this where they can just hit out all those questions, like I said before, that might be causing them nitty-gritty anxieties before prac or before they start their job fully. Whereas, So they can come to our symposium and it's, it's, it's different. I can assure you that when you come in, we've got lights going, we've got music blaring, uh, we've got a big countdown clock. You know, We're a bit punk rock, I suppose, a bit of a disruptor. And... Um, it's, um, it's a unique experience and it's something that I think is really valuable and it's been evidenced by the response that we've gotten so far and the questions that we've received. And I think it's, it's a really valuable thing for beginning teachers just to come in, just knock out all those anxieties for an, for an hour and a half and two hours and be so much of a, a better prep student or a better early career teacher from that. And is that, is that something that you think you will go with nationally or is it at the moment just in mm. Brisbane? Mm. Well, the real strength with Pracky is that we communicate in 21st century methods and by that I mean that we record everything. So 
even if gossip hits three people rock up. You know, we can record that and it might go viral depending on what the panellists say. So there's infinite mm. scalability to that. I think one thing that makes Pracky unique is the way that we communicate. You know, we do, like I said, we did YouTube videos, we do little Instagram snapshots, we tweet out advice all the time and we record everything that we do. We document rather than create. And I think that becomes a, a symptom of that is that we are really a true authentic voice that I think is quite unique and cuts through the rhetoric and the landscape quite harshly and I think it's a breath of fresh air so I think yeah I mean we've got responses completely out of the blue the other week from Melbourne saying oh we we saw your videos and I've actually shared it around my department and we want you down for another symposium so I think the need is there people are crying out for something practical and real world like we offer so I, I would love for it to go national for sure I think it, it's like you said it's not even just a Queensland issue, issue or a Brisbane issue. It's or even an Australian issue. Beginning teacher and the teacher drought, so to speak, is a, a real global issue. You're doing a great job, and it really, like we wish we had Pracky mm. when we started teaching. <laughs> Absolutely, it would have made such a difference. Mm, that's why. That's why I created it. I, I wanted something that talked in my language, that respond, that communicated in the way that I wanted to communicate, and there just wasn't anything out there, and it was. I was genuinely surprised that someone hadn't done something like this before. So that's why there was this massive gap in the market. And I think that's why the response has been so great so far that people, people are surprised it didn't exist before. So uh, it's, it's something that I personally wished I had. So I come from a family where if it doesn't exist, that you create it yourself. So that's what I did. And, and um, I'm so glad that I embarked on this journey for sure. Well, we're just going to cut to a short break. We'll be back pretty soon. Take the mystery out of what students are really doing on their laptops and computers in your classrooms. Easily find out what resources work for your students, what lessons are engaging them, and what other activities might be going on. EdQuire works with you to give you a better understanding of what your students are actually doing while you are not looking. It's like having eyes in the back of your head. EdQuire's AI Learning Analytics Engine gathers data and presents it to teachers in real time and in a color-coded form, so it's easy to visualize like a set of traffic lights. Good for schools, good for teachers, good for students. Find out more at edquire.com. Welcome back to Teacher Chatter. Well, Liam, I really admire what you're doing for the next generation of teachers, and I really think we need more teachers like you. Um, what you're doing is inspiring, it's exciting, and to be honest, as Laura said, I really wish that there was something like that when I was going through my um, my learning of teaching in my university years. Um, thank you so much for being a guest on Teacher Chatter. But before you go, um, we've got two questions for you, kind mm -hmm. of similar, I suppose, in a way with your um teacher hack challenge that you did i'm going to give you a question and then i'm going to give you three seconds to think about your answer sure you ready yep sounds great all right cool okay if you could go back in time and tell your young pracky self one piece of advice about teaching what would it be mm. i would tell myself to really understand who you are as a teacher my very first prac teacher was an awesome teacher but she had pedagogy that just wasn't applicable to me whatsoever she had a grade seven class and she was almost like a mother duck. The way they used to follow her, they used to love her and she had that real maternal vibe um, with her class. Obviously, being a, a young man, I wouldn't be able to use that. 
And I think a lot of my early careers, I was trying to change who I was as a teacher to the school I was at or the mentor teacher I was at. And obviously, that's a part of growing and you never got to know who you are when you first embark. But I would say that one thing that beginning teachers really need to know about themselves is who they are, how they like to teach and, and what type of school culture that that would really grow in. I think a big mistake for a lot of beginning teachers is not researching a school or, or finding a school that can really match their cult, the way that they like to teach and neglecting school culture is a factor in, in finding a job. I think it's probably a big reason for the teacher drought. So if I was able to tell myself something, I'd be really embarking and researching on pedagogy and the way that teachers like to teach it and finding something that works for myself and then building my repertoire around that. That's an excellent yes. advice because I think yeah. too a lot of young teachers will just take what is often. So if they see a job mm. advertised, they'll just go for it regardless of where it's at, the reputation of the school or anything that they might know about the school. Yeah, for sure. And one thing I've found about about myself is that I I really value teacher autonomy. Now, there are have been studies released that tie teacher autonomy directly to their performance as a teacher and therefore their student performance as well. Teachers need to be valued as professionals. I think that's the big gap between Australia and these leading nations in education that always get pushed as the gold standard like Singapore or Finland or these Scandinavian countries. It's just the reputation of Australia and the way that their, their workforces change uh, and value their, them as professionals. I mean, you wouldn't go into a doctor and, and teach them how to do brain surgery. And I, I think in Australia, we're very keen to go in and start telling teachers how to teach. And then that turns into basically robot regurgitation. And I don't think anyone values anything from that. So my personal philosophy is that teachers should be valued as professionals and that they should have autonomy to make professional decisions as they arise. And that's something I learned, uh, I learned about myself. So I probably wouldn't do well in a, in a big school with thousands of students because they usually have, might be a generalization, but sometimes these schools have um, broad level kind of pedagogy and the way that they like to do things that get trawled out to all the different classrooms. So I kind of like smaller class sizes, maybe a bit of an alternative education method to kind of really explore things with my students because no one knows the students better than the teachers that they have on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, very right. Um, I have another question for you. Uh, on your website, you mentioned teachers' well-being. Can mm. you give us some tips about mm. that? I think for beginning teachers, and I'm going through this myself, when they go out into the workforce, they want to impress so much. And schools, I learned, always want to solve things in-house than try and get someone outside to solve problems. And this might be another generalization, but a lot of the time, the beginning teachers are the ones that cop it. I say cop it. Some, some of these things are fantastic to build your presence within a school. But when you're trying to survive day to day with lesson plans, when you don't have that bank of resources from 20, 30 years teaching experience, it can be hard even coming up with tomorrow's lesson. I know when I was out on prac, I literally spent over three days every waking moment creating resources. From the moment I got up, to the moment I went to sleep at midnight was creating resources and lesson plans. And I think it's a familiar story for many beginning teachers. And then you chuck into that maybe co-curricular activities or camp 
um, things of that nature that require even more effort on the role of, uh, of the teacher when they're just trying to find their footing and you're trying to impress. So that can lead to beginning teachers overworking themselves within a school and actually not finding time to do their core responsibilities, which leads to them thinking that maybe it's just all their fault. Maybe they're not cut out to be a teacher. When in fact, I think for beginning teachers, it's very important to put in boundaries to improve your work-life balance. I know a lot of senior teachers talk about, in fact, you know, creating rules on their email list um, or even having office hours where you don't actually engage with your school outside nine to five. Now, that may work for you. It may not work for you. But one thing that we talk about in our teacher wellbeing videos is that you have to find who you are as a teacher, harkening back to my aunts before, and then working on ways that you can structure your life and your organization um, to really make yourself the best teacher that you can be. And sometimes that means dropping out of school altogether and just working on yourself for a day, having a bit of a sabbatical period. But that's something that we talk about, that sometimes the stress of trying to put your best foot forward in your first few careers can actually be a detriment. Yeah, good. That's very true. Mm. Email and phones and being constantly accessible. Mm. It's not always a good thing. Yeah. All right. And my last question to you, uh, question two, is as a teacher, if you could take on a, on the persona of any superhero or if you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? Oh, man. I think the one super, <laughs> the one superpower that I would have would be mind reading. I think that's that would be the best way to be a teacher in class because there's so many things that happen to, te- uh, to students outside of class that impact them in your lesson that are completely out of control you know I think one thing I learned very quickly about students is that they never misbehave for completely no reason or maybe a teenage boy might do that <laughs> but sometimes you know they may not have had breakfast that morning or their parents might have had a fight that evening or something worse and that can quickly affect their behavior in your lesson and an inexperienced teacher might treat that as just a kid misbehaving and and really go off at that kid when that's probably the last thing that they need. So if a student's not engaging in my class, I'd love the ability to mind read to actually find out that reason. Sometimes it may be my delivery and that can change the way that I, my pedagogy and the way that I've delivered the content. But sometimes, you know, I think the best way to get behavior management is to understand the students and have that rapport and that, that empathy. So to be able to have mind reading abilities, I think that'd be a fantastic thing to have in a class, to be able to really understand why the students are behaving in a, in a certain way. Absolutely. It could be a bit of a scary thing to have access mm. to as well. Yeah, it might be for sure. Well, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Thanks again to Ed Choir for sponsoring us and to Liam, thank you so much for chatting with us. Oh, anytime. We'll see you all again next week and we talk to our next guest. Thank you so much, Liam. Oh, anytime. Thanks, Liam. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having me on. Edquire helps you find out what resources work best for your class, what activities engage your students, and shows you their 21st century ICT skills. Edquire is your third eye that makes you aware of your students' activities. Its AI learning analytics help you understand your students and manage your class. Smooth your teaching in real time with a simple map. Good for schools, good for you, and your students. Find out more at edquire.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the show. 
Rita and I are loving the feedback, the comments, and the questions we've been getting about each other and about education. If you've got any insights that can empower teaching and learning or anything related to education, feel free to leave a voicemail at Teach Each Other on Skype and we'll feature your comment on an upcoming episode. Or for those of you that are more comfortable with emails, you can send yours to studio at teachachada.com. Thanks again to our proud sponsor, Edquire, AI for Teachers. You can check them out at edquire.com. That's E-D-Q-U-I-R-E.com. We look forward to you tuning in next week.